Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. What a joy to have all of you, beloved of the Lord, this morning in the house of the Lord. Amen. The Lord has been good to us throughout this week. So we thank God and we praise God for his faithfulness and his goodness in our life. I want to take this time to welcome each one of you who are in the house of the Lord. And it is our prayer that as we continue to spend time in his presence, not only the creation is praising him and worshiping him, we the redeemed of the Lord can also worship him and magnify him and praise him. Hallelujah. Srishtikal Devate Vartanu Shuddhan Maharaj Namaka Avane Vartuvanam Sudipanam Nalgana Kravagal Kai Yan Devate Vartanu Sudhikanu this morning such a joy for us to be here and to take this time to greet each one of you from Oklahoma this morning we have uh, Daniel Nizia and their two children John and Piper with us we thank God for them we welcome them he will be sharing his uh, testimony later on <clears throat> you know this is a season uh, the last month of this year and uh, as we've been doing for the last several years uh, we focus on the advent on the advent, the coming of Jesus. The whole world celebrating. And I've been uh, reading some news uh, from India. This has been, you know, normally December is a month where Christians have the freedom to share the gospel because we always use that opportunity to, to go for caroling, to share the gospel. Churches are lit up. But I've been seeing more and more these days in India, right now it's becoming so difficult for Christians even to profess that they are Christians. Churches are being ransacked. This morning also in Karnataka, which is about to bring a bill uh, to ban all kinds of religious conversion in this winter assembly. So much of persecution. In the last 10 months, 32 churches were attacked in various parts of Karnataka. And even yesterday, uh, churches were attacked. A, a Catholic priest, someone came with a machete to, to hurt the priest. So these are the news. And then somebody else, uh, a group of people were going to distribute tracts and gospel literatures. And they, they snatched the out of their hands and they burned them all. So that's what is happening right now in our land uh, that we call India. So much of uh, intolerance that is rising up um, in, in our land and, and we know, we understand that even in this month, which is considered to be a sacred month for Christians, uh, we have no freedom now to share the gospel. That's what the state of affairs is becoming uh, increasingly. But in the midst of that church, we are here we can still say, we can still praise God. Look at our, our neighborhoods, isn't it? You go over neighborhoods, you can see beautifully lit homes. You know, um, anytime when we're driving, sometimes we just uh, put a break, you know, just to, just to see all that uh, beautiful lights in front of the homes. You know, in the neighborhood that we live, there's this one family, every, uh, every season, as it becomes in January, December, they have this huge message right on their, their houses and a cultist, like on a corner. So anyone going either way on Eisenhower can read that. Jesus is the reason for this season. Every year, for the last eight years, I've been noticing that. 
they don't put anything else but this is one bold message that they put right there at the door and they want to declare to the world that Jesus is the reason for this season without any other outward display of the gospel they're already communicating the powerful message of the gospel that because of him we have this beautiful season it indeed it is a season of festivity but on the other hand think about uh, the mayhem think about the chaos that unfolded on Friday the night in five states especially in Western Kentucky so many lives were uh, snuffed out just one night we were driving that night late like late in the night about 1 30 on on 6 35 and we could see we could we could feel the power of the wind that night uh, even though we were four people and there was also some luggage in the back but we could feel the wind and you know it just went through central uh, texas but it hit in western kentucky and many other states i mean still don't we don't know how many people have died this morning our hearts and our prayers are with those who are battling uh, for, uh, for life and all those families who are mourning the loss of their loved ones. Church, um, we start a new series in this month and uh, the series is called He Shall Be Called. The, the, the primary text, the key text is taken from the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Let, let me take your attention there. But uh, the, the title of my sermon this morning is The Cradle and the cross the cradle and the cross even as we look at the two titles that are given there for jesus he shall be called the wonderful counselor and mighty god wonderful counselor and mighty god let me read isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There are a couple of other passages also that I've chosen this morning to read. The other second reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 verse 8 to 18. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. A third reading that I'm taking today is from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. 
For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thought. There is, there is the one, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Thank God for the reading of this scripture passage. The big idea for this morning for us is to call upon his name and to worship him, to call upon his name and to worship him. Let me take you very briefly into Isaiah chapter 9 and the historical context of Isaiah chapter 9. Because what we read in Isaiah chapter 9 is a magnificent celebration of hope in the face of national trauma, disaster, dis despair, and disappointment. Judah is facing the invasion, a foreign invasion. Their own countrymen, Israel, the northern kingdom, is marching against them. Syria is marching against them. And on the horizon on the east, Assyria is going to come pretty soon. It is in that context, Judah is scared. Judah is afraid. What shall we do? When you read chapter 8, verse 22, this is what the prophet said. And they shall look on the earth and behold distress and darkness and gloom of anguish. There will be thrust into thick darkness. That's exactly what is happening in Judah right now. Darkness, gloom, destruction, pain, chaos, agony. Look around our world. What do we see? What do we see? Even as we usher in an advent, even as we celebrate the coming of Jesus, what is the world that you and I are living in? Prophet Isaiah prophesied in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. You can read in chapter 1, verse 1. The external threat is, of course, the rising Assyrians. But right now, they are facing the threat from their own countrymen, the northern kingdom of Israel, and also Syria is marching against them. The historical context, you can understand it more better, found in 2 Kings chapter 16. The big question that God has for his people, will you trust in my salvation or will you try to find your human ingenuity and try to find your own solutions? Because God told Ahaz, King Ahaz, God told through his prophet, ask of a sign from the Lord and the Lord will give you a sign. But Ahaz said, no, I will not ask a sign from the Lord. And the Lord said to him, because you are not asking a sign, I shall give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and you shall be given a son. His name shall be Emmanuel. What is God teaching them, his people? Can you find trust in my abiding presence even in the midst of destruction, darkness, and gloom, and anguish, and pain, and uncertainty? Can you find that I am an abiding, ever-abiding presence with you? 
this morning, church. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is reminding you and me also. Hallelujah. Can we find the Emmanuel, God with us in the moments of our darkness and despair, our disappointments. Hallelujah. We come to the end of a year and we may be willing, we may be very eager to say goodbye to this year, but you and I may be facing challenges in our life, uncertainties in our life, looming questions before you. In the midst of that, can we see, Lord, how many times, how many times you have told me, maybe I should just cease from striving and say, Lord, I, I abide. I understand. I've been assured of your divine presence in my life. How many times I fail to realize that? because you are with me even i walk through the valley of the shadow of evil i fear no evil hallelujah because you are with me amen even after God gave this assurance to Ahaz, King Ahaz and his people, you know what they did? They sought after Tiglath Pileser, the king of Assyria. Would you come and save us? Would you come and be our protection? Took all the money from the treasury, the gold and everything, and sent it to them. We still seek our own wisdom, our own hallelujah, human efforts. It is in this context God is again asking them, would you trust in me? Church, this, this season, as we usher in this, this season, you know the names that are given there. I mean, hallelujah. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. This morning, the Holy Spirit is asking me, will you trust in me? Can I be your wonderful counselor? Can I be your mighty God? Can I be your everlasting father? Can I be the prince of peace? Behold, a virgin shall conceive. You know, Isaiah chapter 9, as you continue to read, in the midst of this, the prophet is taking them on a journey. Don't just be surrounded. Don't just be looking around what's happening right now. But the, the Holy Spirit is reminding them, would you lift up your eyes to see on the horizon what God is not just doing right now, but he's also preparing for the future, for the future generations to come. And that's where Isaiah chapter 9 comes in. People's gaze must be lifted up from the present condition to look into the future. And in the future is what God is saying. Behold, unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be Wonderful Counselor. You know, sometimes God wants you and me just to hold on to that promise that he has given. When you read that, where the scripture passage, it says, I'm not going to be giving you a son, but a son has already been given in the past. It's already a done deal with God. It's already a done deal with God. If he has said it, he shall be faithful to his promise. But can you and I rest assured in the promises of God? That he, whatever he has told me, whatever he has said to me in the past, either through prophetic utterance or through his scripture or through the preaching of the word, it is a done deal with God. Only God can do it. In the midst of that, see the grand design of God. What is God's promise to them? What is God's promise to them in the midst of this national disaster, in the midst of this national calamity? God's promise to them is a gift of a... Son. 
the gift of a son, the birth of a child. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. What is this? A remarkable answer, isn't it? To all the problems that are plaguing them. The birth of a child. The birth of a child. Oftentimes when people get married, the marriage, they are going through some struggles in their marriage. Parents and elders will say, you know, that's what we say, isn't it? Then you find that after the child is born, also things are not. Maybe another child will, will take care of that. That's often, the, often, often our solutions. We may sometimes see that children can often solve all the problems and everything should be okay. What is God's answer? What's God's answer in the middle of this national crisis? I'm going to give you a gift of a son. How good that is? How good that is? Tell me, church, how good that is a promise that I'm going to give you a son as a gift in the middle of your challenges. Let me read out. I'm quoting from Ray Ortland. He puts it so well. God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child. The power of God is so far superior to the Assyrians and all the big shots of the world that he can defeat them by the coming of a mere child. His answer to the bullies swaggering through history is not to become even a bigger bully. His answer is Jesus. The answer of God this morning is not to become a larger bully in history, but his answer to the world, to the Assyrians, to the Romans, to the media Persians, to the Babylonians is the gift and the promise of a child. Hallelujah. Government shall be upon his shoulder. He shall be a wonderful counselor. He shall be a mighty God. He shall be everlasting father. He shall be prince of peace. Church, and that's a solid message that the Lord is giving us in this season. God is not giving us a big, he doesn't want to be a bigger bully, trying to bully others, no into subjugation. He says, can you take my son? He's offering his son. Can you put your trust in my son? Because on his shoulder rests the kingdom of kings, the king, all the nations, hallelujah. He shall be called the king of kings. He shall be called the Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow before him. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Wonderful counselor, isn't he? The first title that is given there is wonderful counselor. What is our initial response to that when we hear the phrase wonderful counselor? We get, tend to think that, you know, we can reduce it sometimes to a good psychologist. My Jesus is a good psychologist. He's someone to whom you and I can go and run for advice. However true this may be, church, you and I need to understand the scope of Jesus Christ this morning. He's not merely a good listener. He's not merely a good therapist. He's not merely a good psychologist or anyone else who can help you. The true understanding of the meaning of that word is he's incomprehensible and he's unfathomable in his strategies. He's incomprehensible and he's unfathomable in his strategies. He's a master strategy maker. He's a master strategy maker. In other words, you and I must be able to see him as the greatest strategy maker on the face of this earth. The wonderful counselor. Hallelujah. Don't just reduce him just to be a counselor. Yes, he is. He will give you advice. 
for your life. But don't just reduce him to be a mere counselor like that, a psychologist, a good listener, a therapist. But no, he's a strategy maker. And his strategy to the world is the offering of his son into this world. Hallelujah. That is his strategy. That is his strategy. For us to understand what this word means in the context of Isaiah, you and I should know what exactly happened in India this week. General Bipin Rawat, who was the CDS, the chief of the defense staff of the three forces died in a chopper crash in India this week. 13, along, 13 people along with him died. He was known as the expert advisor, the strategy maker, who was the advisor to the president, to the prime minister, to the cabinet ministers. He was the advisor, the strategy maker for all these three forces to the government. That's one example. Another example for the political field, Prashant Kishore in India. If you Google type him, everyone in India knows his name. He's a household name now. Why? Because he was able to meet, beat the might of the BJP, uh, which was trying to get into power in West Bengal, all through his strategy, all through his wise planning for the Trinamool Congress. And they were able to rout BJP in, in, in the just uh, finished elections in West Bengal. What I'm praying is saying to say is, Bipin Rawat, Prashant Kishore, these are known as people known as strategists. Strategies who give strategy, plan of action. The Bible calls Jesus wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Is the cradle, is the cradle God's answer to the problem of the world? Is the cradle the answer to the problem of the world? The Holy Spirit says, yes, the cradle is the answer of God to the problems of the world. Hallelujah. Why? Because he defies the expectations of human kingdoms. King Herod thought that he can kill this child. King Herod thought that he can kill this child. You understand how God works? In the Old Testament, there is a parallel story when, when Moses was born. When Moses was born, what was the law of the land at that time? That every child of the Hebrews that is born must be killed in River Nile. But in the same season, in the same time, God sent forth Moses to be born, who will ultimately become the savior of his people. You ask me, why didn't God just choose somebody else in that land and raise him as a leader? No, God made this child to be born. And I have quoted here many times before also what Josephus said in his history, in history hallelujah, that when this child was barely, you know, in, in just a year, not even a year old, he was sitting in the lap of Pharaoh. And one of the court prophets said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, kill this child or else this child will kill you. Pharaoh could have just killed him, strangled him to death. But you know, Pharaoh's hands could not move to strangle the child. Why? That's the strategy of God. As an indefensible, hallelujah, a weak child. What can this child do to me? When Jesus was born in the cradle, King Herod was even afraid. But he sent an army to kill every child under two years. He was so scared. The entire Jerusalem was trembling. That's God's answer. That's a divine strategy. God could have raised one of the, one of the prophets. God could have raised one of the priests from the temple. And God could have anointed him to be the next Messiah. But God didn't do. God sent his son in the form of a baby to be born in a cradle. Hallelujah. A weak, tiny, indefensible Hallelujah, totally dependent child. That's what his name is, wonderful counselor. He reveals God's wonderful wisdom for the world. And you and I look at God's strategy and we say, wow. This morning church, 
if you and I can just take a pause and just think about this wonderful counselor. We know this beautiful song that oftentimes we love to sing. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child whom you delivered will soon deliver you. Would soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that the baby boy will give sight to the blind man? Will calm the storm with his hand? He will walk where angels have trodden. When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God himself. This morning, can I tell you, church, heaven's answer to your problem and my problem and the world's problem is not another big bully, but a child in the form of Jesus Christ. That's the wonderful counselor my God is. The second aspect of this, of this powerful name, his, his name is what? His name is Mighty King, Mighty King. From the cradle, if cradle captures God's masterful stroke of genius strategy, if cradle captures God's masterful stroke of genius strategy, fast forward a few years into his life, the cross comes looming up in his life, and the cross tells the story of a mighty God. The cross tells the story of a mighty God. You know, when you, when you and I read... Um, this, this passage, what Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians, we would, we would ask ourselves this question, why is Paul so bent, so, so, so heavily dependent on preaching Christ crucified? Heavily dependent on preaching Christ crucified? Paul would say that I would, want, I would not want to know anything else when I'm speaking among you. I only want to know Jesus Christ and him being crucified, which is definitely a stumbling block for the Jews. It is a foolishness for the Gentiles. But we want to say that that's what we want to preach because he is a mighty God, even in his death, even when he's being lifted up on the cross. That's the power of a mighty God. We often love to sing this English song, isn't it? What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him, and heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Isaiah's people definitely needed a mighty God in that moment of the national crisis. They needed the mighty arm of God to be revealed for them. They needed the Old Testament revelation of El Shaddai. El Shaddai means the almighty God. That's what they were looking for. That's what they were looking for. They needed victory over Israel. They needed victory over Syria. They needed victory over Assyria. They needed to know that this mighty God is able to save them. He's able to save them. Fight their battles. In the history of the Israelites, from the book of Genesis onwards, this revelation of God as an El Shaddai has always, always embraced their heart. It has always touched their heart. This God, El Shaddai, came to our father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They felt the presence and the tangible presence of this almighty God. He revealed himself as an El Shaddai to them. People of Israel can say, with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, he delivered our people from Egypt. Come to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. The average expectation of every Jew was that Jesus, the Messiah, would come as a mighty God who will rescue his people from the yoke of Romans. He will break 
the yoke of Romans. He will deliver his people from the yoke of Romans. He will ride on a chariot or ride on a horse and come and destroy God's enemy. When they saw him walking on the waters, they were amazed and astonished. When they saw him feeding the 5,000, they were amazed and astonished. When they saw him healing the lepers, they were amazed and astonished. They said, a great prophet has risen among us. They were able to see the mighty God in work. Mighty God in work. But then Jesus said to them, Jesus said to them, I'm going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of the sinners. They are going to mock him. They are going to ridicule him. They are going to falsely accuse him. They are going to crucify him and he is going to die. Peter and the others could not understand that. They said, Lord Jesus, this should never happen to you. They took him aside and said, Jesus, this should never happen to you. We have put our, our, our whole moment, our, 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 this whole band of disciples, we are gaining momentum right now. We are seeing that God's kingdom is going to come right now. But Jesus said, no, no, that is not how I work. I will die on the cross. I will die on the cross. They could never fathom that. Church, the cross seems to be the exact opposite of a mighty God, isn't it? We are going to see the cross. We are going to see the and the Liberty Rayava Indrivua Marikan Mendi Krusher Tundapogia. Because what is he saying? Unless the grain of the wheat falls to the grounds and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears fruit, not thirtyfold, not sixtyfold, but hundredfold fruits. That is why Paul is saying, I am not afraid to preach that Christ is crucified. Because that's what we see the power of God. That's what we see, the might of God. That's what we see, the mighty hand of God coming in history. Yesterday we were watching this video. Shelby Houston, the 18-year-old daughter of the fallen police officer from Mesquite. Many of you may have watched that video. Towards the end, she said something like this, which is so powerful. She said, in my deepest wound, I see the glory of God. And I am astounded. In my deepest wound, I see the glory of God. And I am astounded. Church, that's exactly what happened on the cross of Calvary. In the, in the wounds of Jesus on the cross, is where you and I see the glory of God. Heaven declared, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Even in the Priya Putran, even in the Nyan Prasadichirikino. Nyan and Ningle worship Pradishikana or Shaktanai the Umarikum. And the Lindapagal Kalamparate, Indian Ningle Chinda, the Ilk will be breathe the Marikum, the Hivat and the property, our Nordan Lord Praya, then the Crucial in the Anigamikia. And a Kachivan Mano in the Anigamikia, Shandina Crucial Kuga. Take up your cross and follow me. Because as you take up your cross, you will find life and you will find mighty life. Her abundant life this morning. Can we close our eyes for a moment, church?
Marco Polo, the great traveler, once reached the audience of the great King Kublai Khan. And he brought with him an ointment that was taken from the tomb of Jesus and also a cross. The ointment, it seemed to have great properties of healing. But King Kublai Khan was not very interested in that. He said something like this. This cross, which was a symbol of shame, you guys have taken it and made it a symbol of great glory. <laughs> what Kublai Khan didn't realize was this. That symbol, which should have been the symbol of great shame and dishonor, God raised it up as a symbol of great glory and honor and power that even today, from the cradle to the grave, he is some wonderful counselor and he is some mighty God. Church, what would you do to this baby that was born 2,000 years ago? Would you call upon him this morning? Would you adore him? Would you worship him? Because he deserves your worship and my worship. And would you, hallelujah, call out to him? Because he is a master strategist, hallelujah. Give your plans into his hands. Let him work it out. Let him work it out. He will defy every human agendas and plans and the schemes of the enemy. Let him work out his beautiful plan for your life. Shall we rise to your feet this morning, church, as we continue to give to him glory and honor through our songs of worship and praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.